Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the Take a Swig podcast. This is Swig, and we are back to recap week one of the 2023 NFL season. And I know I might be biased when I say this, but I hated everything about that. Uh, So we took a couple extra days to uh, allow me to finish my darkness retreat and uh, go from there. So anyway, we're here now. I'm going to recap and give our takeaways from week one, ask a couple questions about the state of New York football, and uh, hit on a few other teams as well. Go from there, see who we were impressed by, who we weren't impressed by to start off the season. But before we dive in, I have Blake with me as always. Blake, my guy, how you doing? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Not very good lately. It's been a rough adjustment. Not having the best time personally, but I'm still glad to be here. Well, I'm glad that you're here. It's it's been a it's been a bit of a kick in the dick lately, and not just because our football teams are frustrating, but it, we'll we'll get through it. Uh, got we're, we're, it's uh, Thursday when this episode comes out, so getting uh, it's a great excuse for some cold beers. On a thir- yeah, we don't have the Thirsty Thursday minor league baseball team playing here anymore, but we can always find other excuses for the cold beers, and we'll bring some hot takes, so I'll do the slogan in reverse here. And then we'll, we'll be in the weekend. I'm going to see Syracuse lose this weekend in person, so I'm excited for that. That sounds exciting. Me, on the other hand, I get to work three 12-hour shifts this weekend. Well, I am sorry about that shitty work schedule, but if it makes you feel any better, by the time you get to work on Saturday night, I'll be blacked out drunk. Does make me feel a little bit better. I would rather partake. Well, if uh, if you decide that work isn't worth it and you want to join the tailgate that we're going to at Purdue, then you just let me know, buddy. I'm always happy to support and I'll have plenty of extra beers. Extra beers? There's no such thing. Well, you can always buy more at a liquor store, but you know what? You got a point. We can always go borrow them from other tailgates and then just not come back. I mean, let me borrow this 30-pack real quick. Yeah, just a, just a quick case. Let me let me get that down. But And honestly, I, I was tempted to go straight for the rubbing alcohol after the disaster that was Giants Week 1. And I, I, I thought of a lot of different superlatives that are too offensive for me to record on this episode. But suffice to say that I hated everything about it. And even me, as one of the biggest pessimists on earth, did not think it would be that bad. Yeah, I'm mostly upset because they were the last leg of my parlay. Well, don't ever bet on the Giants would be my advice to you. I literally, I did. Bucks money line, Rams money line, Packers money line, and Giants money line. Mm, well, if I'm not mistaken, the Giants were the only one of those teams that played at home, as well as obviously the only one that lost. So maybe you should just be a road warrior kind of parlay guy. Thanks for the week two strategy. I like it. You're quite welcome. But anyway, so one of the topics we wanted to hit on, but this isn't going to be a super lengthy episode, but me being from New York originally – Obviously, a Giants fan myself, know plenty of us and know plenty of Jets fans as well who are still in, back in New York. A couple of them even went to the game, e- each game respectively. So 
I'm in this big group chat and it kind of inspired one of my segments for the week. A couple of the friends of mine who are Jets fans were saying that even though they, they won their week one game on Monday night, they would rather be in the Giants situation despite being humiliated, obviously, on Sunday night football because Daniel Jones managed to make it through the game healthy while obviously Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately for the Jets, ruptured his Achilles four plays in and he will miss the rest of the season. I, I know I'm biased on this. I really I, I get where the Jets fans are coming from. Obviously, that sucks and it's it's an impact. But I don't think there's a single aspect of the Giants game that you can look at and be like, oh, they'll they'll turn it around. Now, granted, we play the Cardinals week two, but even the Cardinals put up a much better fight than we did. Every team put up a better fight than we did. And I would say I, I think the Jets have a much better overall roster, even without Rodgers. And at the very least, a better offensive line than the Giants are going to have. Yeah, well, I I think that perspective more or less comes from like the Giants have had had lower expectations going into the season, and like okay, you knock them down a little bit lower versus you know everybody's picking the Jets as like a dark horse for the Super Bowl, and that just went completely out the window shortly after beginning the game. I get what you're saying. I, I never it was thinking going in, oh, the Giants can win a Super Bowl this year because we won a playoff game last year. Like, that's fucking exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I do understand that. But I just I don't uh, maybe it's the short view, at least in the short view. I'd rather be one and oh, than oh and one on the basic level. And on these uh, broad level, I would rather not be shut out and humiliated by a team I can't stand on primetime football. The Jets at least showed some fucking resiliency after that happened. Now, granted, Josh Allen had a shit game and needs to be reminded that Jordan Whitehead is not on the Bills, but kudos to them for taking advantage of the opportunity. And that walk-off punt return was pretty sick. I can't even lie. Yeah, that was pretty awesome to watch. But, I mean, you know, I'm going to go back to, like, Jets fans' expectations went to the moon after bringing in Rodgers. And to week one, be delegated back down to Zach Wilson. Now we're going to talk about, are they still even a playoff team? Because he handicaps them that much from the quarterback position. I get the point. I really do. I I get that Wilson was replaced by a 39 year old for a reason, even though he was the second overall pick two years ago. I'm, I'm not clueless to the situation. And I, and I will fully admit that I am obviously biased here, but just the, the way that the giants did not compete, like there were 53 players and the entire coaching staff, just every single, uh, every single personnel that was involved needs to take some, some form of criticism here. The the score of the game and obviously the avalanche of shit that started with the block field goal return was absurd enough. But then you look a little bit deeper at the fact that why was Daniel Jones left in the game till there was one minute left behind a third string left tackle after Andrew Thomas got hurt in the in the rain with obviously nothing going right. Like the, the Giants are honestly fortunate Jones did not get injured in the game himself. Yeah, didn't he get sacked like seven times? Seven times was knocked down or pressured on at least two-thirds of the snaps. The right side of the offensive line in particular was absolutely abysmal, man. I, I, it might be the worst offensive line performance I have ever seen. Really? I feel like you've seen a lot of those in the last I decade. have seen a lot of those. Like, I, I don't, I'm not even trying to be too negative when I say this. The Giants 
have had an issue on the offensive line for at least a decade now. Even last year, even 2016, the two years we slipped in the playoffs since 2011, the offensive line wasn't exactly a strength. We managed to work around it. If you look at the Giants right now, Andrew Thomas went healthy. Hopefully the hamstring injury he ended up with isn't too serious, is a great left tackle. But the other four offensive linemen are about as useful as Fetty Wap's left eye. Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed with uh, John Michael Schmitz's first game, for sure. But I, I feel like with him and, like, Evan Neal, they're, like, there's a lot of potential there. I think in a few years you guys could have a good offensive line. I like the prospects that you brought in. I just I want to see them all put it together and be a solid unit. Well, we're trying that. Look, Schmitz – one game I have more patience for. I still like him, and I, I, I tried not to look at the tape too much, but he had at least a few decent run-blocking snaps. For me, it was Neil that I have much bigger concerns about. He's had some injuries both last year and in training camp, but him and Mark Lewinsky on the right side, man, I have not seen – like they. You, you know what a stunt is, obviously, right? But for our audience yes. that doesn't, when two defensive linemen basically crisscross to confuse the off- a couple offensive linemen, right? Like, I haven't seen somebody that bad at stunts since uh, – like, just take, like, a Fast and Furious movie where well, – because they're one of those, I think, one of the stuntmen died. I'm, I'm trying to do some sort of stunt pun. I couldn't, couldn't pull it home. But it just – Glowinski was so horrible. Like, I'm pissed at Evan Neal, but Glowinski's like 30 years old, and he might have had the worst pass-blocking game I've ever seen. They do not recognize any of the basic concepts. Like, Micah Parsons is a fucking monster, but he had the easiest time of his life. And then Micah Parsons himself was on record saying that the Giants weren't protecting Daniel Jones enough by leaving him in in the blowout, and he's right. Yeah, it's kind of weird to have, like, the guy that was tormenting him all night say, like, why didn't you help him out? Seriously, and he's absolutely right. Let me be clear on that. Just look, Brian Dable, again, I'm not I'm not trying to call for his head yet or anything, although he does share some criticism here. This was obviously his worst game as a giant, too. But the Giants in the preseason only played the starters one series in one preseason game. So presumably to keep them healthy. And now in a game that's long over and long a nightmare, everyone's kept it. Like Jones is kept in, even though we eventually did take Thomas out, Darren Waller out, Barkley out. But for some reason, Jones is left out there behind a practice squad offensive line. It was just mind boggling to me. And we're fortunate that the the whole game didn't get any worse with the injury situation. Now circling it back to the comparing it to the Jets. I still think the Jets have a good enough roster where they can make the playoffs here, but do you expect them to add a backup veteran uh, as insurance for Zach Wilson? Do you think they call Washington about Jacoby Brissett, maybe something like that? Um, I don't know about like Brissett in particular, but I, I do anticipate them to try to bring somebody in, maybe like, a, I don't know, like, somebody like Mariota who's not really going to throw away a game, but not win you a game either. Just so, somebody to keep, keep it even. Well, I mean, to me, Brissett honestly can fill a similar role, but I, I get your point. Somebody, uh, uh, a, a low risk, low reward kind of quarterback. Yeah. Or like a Gardner, Gardner Minshew. 
Now that would be an interesting one, but I feel like the Colts are, I guess the Colts and commanders are in similar spots in the sense that they're, they have a young quarterback and they might value I'm sure they do value that veteran presence in the locker room, but I, I do see where you're coming from with that. There's not a ton of options on the free agent market that are coming to mind. Like did Mariota sign somewhere? Mariota's a Eagles backup, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. I forgot about that. Um, and, and now, obviously, they are in a better position to trade a backup quarterback for another draft pick. Lord knows Howie Roseman is more than capable of loading up the roster with a sixth round pick that turns out to be amazing. Or, I mean, bring in like Chase Daniel. <laughs> I think he just announced his retirement. But by the way, shout out to Chase Daniel's agent. He made forty one million dollars in, in his career. He only started five games. Yeah, that that is one of the best success stories in NFL history. The, the the Jets are one of the like the 15 teams that had Josh Johnson at one point. It's not the most inspiring, but he's a guy who won't he he's a low risk, low reward kind of guy at this point. He's been on more teams than pretty much anybody. I use him in Immaculate Grid all the time. Yeah. He's a he's a great name to have in your memory bank for the grid. It really is. But yeah, the title of the episode being the hell out darkness by old friend, obviously like as a giants fan, that game gave me a lot of dark thoughts over the last couple of days. And I went off the grid for a day, but fine now just wanted to try to calm down from it. And then it also references the jets and Aaron Rodgers and his infamous darkness retreat from a few months ago. And I'm sure it inspired some jets fans to take a few of their own here, losing somebody to a serious injury that quickly. It, it, it is a shame for them. I do understand the, the argument to an extent where it's like they their hope of a Super Bowl. Now, granted, I don't think they were winning the Super Bowl regardless, but I do understand that their realistic hope to do that is now gone. Yeah, I, I do feel like that was their goal this year. Now, I agree with you. I didn't see them being able to accomplish that goal, but that was very clearly what they set out to do this season. It is. And the Jets haven't even made the playoffs since 2010. So I, I don't think it was obvious. It was the odds of not being in the playoffs for 12 straight years and then have. I, I know they obviously brought in some veterans, but now I am curious to see. Rodgers is 39 years old. Uh, he'll, I'd be amazed if he's not back next season, but it's been a while. Uh, I'm trying to think of another example in any sport of a player having a serious injury like this, this late in their career and being able to perform up to their usual standard when they come back. The the closest comp I have uh, that I was, and it's not even close to the same is probably Kevin Durant in basketball. He has this, he had the same ruptured Achilles injury in the NBA finals one year. He sat out all of the following season and then uh, came back and played for Brooklyn. And he's still the all-star everyone knows and loves today. But, and while he was over 30, when that happened, he wasn't almost 40 and that might make a difference. Yeah. So, I mean, my kind of thought process on this is like, I mean, he's 39, just had the Achilles injury. He's been flirting with retirement for a few years now. I honestly feel like I know this isn't how you want to end your career, but I feel like there's probably a chance that this is when he hangs it up. Well, Salah said that he would be shocked if Rodgers ended like that. And I honestly would be too. I don't, I don't see Aaron Rodgers going out on this. This would be a really shitty note to end your career on and not even his fault. Obviously the MetLife, MetLife is very unpopular amongst players and fans because a lot of injuries happen on it. And I'm not trying to defend that like it, it, that's the truth i don't like it either 
And I'm a fan of one of the teams that plays there, but I just, Aaron Rodgers is too good and I'm sure has too much pride to end his career like that. I just, I don't know. Being away for that long, I, I, I question what that's going to do to his competitiveness and his desire to play the game, considering he's already been toying with retirement when he won MVPs. I get where you're coming from. I know he's been toying with it a little bit, but considering the he, he made that sacrifice on his contract with the Jets so he could help them out financially a little bit, something that he refused to do with Green Bay at the end. I, I don't see him coming to the Jets after all this fanfare. He ran out with the flag on the anniversary of 9-11 and everything, and then four snaps in with a serious injury. I just don't see that being his only impact for the Jets man I just can't see it ending like that I I get the age but I I, I don't question the competitiveness at le- I really don't and I just don't see that happening the the only other one that I, I know I'm going to another sport uh, back about 10 years ago the Yankees had Mariano Rivera and he was going to retire one season and he tore his ACL in batting practice one day even though he's a pitcher and he came back the next year because he didn't want that to be the note that his career ended on I'm thinking Rodgers is going to follow a similar path here. I, I hope that's the case. I just, I, you know, the thought crept into my head immediately when I saw that he got hurt. Fair enough. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen, but we, we look at it. I'd, I'd rather still be the Jets just because they have a better team. And at least Zach Wilson has a better chance behind the Jets offensive line than any quarterback does behind the Giants one if they play anything like they did the other night. Because while there is blame to go around, that was the worst aspect of it to me. That really stood out. Yeah, the I don't know. I, I want to see another week. I, I'm going to see if like the Cowboys defense is actually that good or your offensive line is just that bad. I think it's a combination of both. If I'm being honest, Dan Quinn's an excellent defensive coordinator and the giants offensive line hasn't been a strength in over a decade. So I I do think they both contributed there, but yeah, there, there was just nothing positive to take from that game uh, from my side, but from the jets, at least they battled back. They managed to get the win and getting the the win on the anniversary of nine 11 with the punt return in New York. Like that was still, a pretty epic moment, although I, obviously the Rogers injury cloud hung over it. But that's that, that's where I'm at. I, I I thought it was interesting to talk about just because I know that most of those friends, you know, hopefully all of them that are I've been talking to about that the last day or two, uh, listen to this. So I'm curious to get their input. Maybe after another week or two, when some of the dust settles on both teams, we'll revisit this and see uh, how each team's looking going forward. But the the week one reactions are are very warranted and very sad and extreme but also very understandable considering the extreme results that happened for both just under different circumstances but that's all i had on the new york teams i know i could talk about them a lot longer if i wanted to but let's take a look around the league a little bit Uh, with you being a, a chiefs fan obviously well, let's uh, go back to the Thursday night game with the Chiefs and the Lions. Lions end up with a one-point win there. There are two questions I'd want to ask you. So first off, just focusing on the Chiefs, how worried are you about the Chiefs' wide receiver room? Um, I'm not too worried. There's a lot of like young guys like with very high ceilings. I think it's just going to be a learning curve with a – Having a new offensive coordinator, uh, losing Juju's presence in the locker room, not having Kelsey Thursday night. There's just a lot to it. And I feel like 
I'm not sure when one of these young guys will step up. I feel like it's probably going to be a few more weeks, but I have faith that these young guys can put it together and that Tony can hopefully find his hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was not upset at all with him, him sucking the other night, but I'm biased on that one too. But even ignoring him for a second, there's Rashi Rice, you have Justin Ross, who's uh, I know that we both like, but he's coming off of the uh, some serious injuries out of Clemson. I do like Rice, but he's one game, and he, he did manage to catch a touchdown. But there, there were a lot of drops. Tony obviously was the most infamous in week one. And, of course, when Kelsey's back, he's he's the number one guy. But not having him... It obviously, it exacerbated or highlighted the the inexperience of most of the Chiefs receiver room there a lot. You guys did bring in Richie James, but as, as much as I think he is a, a better than the seventh round pick he was drafted as, he's not a special wide receiver either. I don't mean that as an insult. No, I don't think he's like special, but I think he's consistent enough to get like even being like the second, third or fourth option to get like four or five hundred yards on the season. And basically what he did with the Giants last year. Yeah, pretty much. And you didn't even mention Sky Moore. So like I you know, there's Sky Moore. My there's... apologies for the Sky Moore erasure right there. Didn't mean to do that. You know, that's just the all the young guys. And then we still have MVS, who is a little one-dimensional. And I think some of the young guys are gonna have to be able to step up for his uh, for MVS's numbers to go up because him being like the number one, I'm putting air quotes on it because I genuinely don't consider anybody in that locker room a number one receiver. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Tony has the potential, but I feel like he's a long ways away from being a true number one. But... I honestly don't see it. Uh, for me, if Canarius is able to stay healthy, which so far he hasn't been able to do for more than a couple weeks, whether he's lying about his injury or not, to me, he would be best as one of those gadget type of players. He obviously has a lot of explosiveness and shiftiness and talent, but I don't see the consistency. I don't see the the route running on a, on a regular basis enough to be a number one wide receiver. I see him more as a slot number three gadget kind of player, even at his best. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I okay. I can't say at his best. I do have high hopes for him and Justin Ross down the line, but I feel like the yeah Tony's very inconsistent. And his health has been a major issue. And I, his attitude, from what I've observed, I don't know how much of this has been true with the Chiefs yet, but he clearly wore out his welcome in the Giants' locker room. Like John Feliciano, our center last year, he went somewhere else. He was basically taking joy in Tony's struggles the other night. Like He obviously is very talented, but there are people that do not like him, and that, not just Giants fans. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he is able to move past that a bit. He's obviously young. But getting off of that for a second, the other question I wanted to ask about the game, obviously the Chiefs didn't have Kelsey or Chris Jones, who did sign a one-year deal uh, before this recording, but they didn't have them hit those two the other night. But – Taking just looking at that game, are you more impressed with the Lions? Like, are you more impressed by them or more worried about the Chiefs? Um, kind of a combination of both. I was really well, I mean, okay, later on in the game, I became more impressed with like the Lions defense and uh, their running game on offense, but in in the beginning of the game. I wasn't 
I, I didn't see it ending how it ended because our defense was playing pretty well or we were just matching their schemes well. But that going forward in their own territory on like fourth and two. The fake punt from the 20, man. Dan Campbell's a wizard. Yeah, I, I feel like after that, they started exposing a lot of the weaknesses in our defense. And I do have some concern with our team just because the inexperience in the wide receiver room and the holes on defense that were showing up. I question, like, we've always, well, I guess in the Pat Mahomes era, we've been weaker on defense. I'd say defense was our strong suit before the Mahomes and Andy Reid era. I don't think anyone's going to complain about the Chiefs offense, though. So, And that's a high bar for a defense to match. Yeah, I just question now if our offense is still going to be able to keep pace with what the other teams are able to do to our defense because – I'm, I feel like certain teams are going to be able to put up like 30, 40 points on our defense. Maybe a couple of times, but you guys are still capable of winning shootouts, in my opinion. I was impressed more by the Lions than worried about the Chiefs. Like The, the Chiefs would have to lose more than one game for me to think anything about the sky falling there. But I, I know the Lions, like I said, Chiefs missing a couple guys, but give them credit for going in on the road, uh, being aggressive, having the moment not be too big for them. So I'm impressed by that, and the NFC is wide open. There were two other games where I kind of wanted to look at it real quick, kind of a similar question, more impressed by the team that won or more worried about the team that lost first one for me is the browns bengals game are you more by the browns or more worried about the bengals i'm so happy that you brought this game up because i wanted to shout out uh, jim schwartz and his defensive game plan for that game i feel like he went in there with a very solid game plan and just like all game long that defense dominated the bengals offense it looked great start to finish i'm really impressed with the Browns' defense, not their offense. I think their defense is going to be top 10, maybe top five this season. I could see it. Now, I think it's worth mentioning, obviously, the weather in Cleveland was horrible in that game and affected the the Bengals' offense. But you got to give them credit. Jim Schwartz has obviously had some success as a coordinator. I still have concerns about every team in that division because it's so tough. But the the, the And the Bengals have had some issues with the Browns in the past. Burrow fell the one in five against Cleveland, which is kind of surprising to say out loud. So there is a precedent here. Hell, Burrow was dog shit in week one last year, too, and the Bengals recovered fine. So I'm not too worried about them yet. So I would say more impressed by the Browns on that logic. But I thought that was a game that I'm sure surprised some people and was worth mentioning. The other one that came to mind for me that I I wanted to ask, basically the same thing. Were you more impressed by the 49ers or are you more worried about the Steelers? Uh, I'm more worried about the Steelers. I, I feel like the 49ers did what the 49ers do, and the Steelers did not do their usual playing to their competition. They just laid down on the ground and got ran over. It was very strange to see, especially by a Mike Tomlin-led team. Now, granted, still a great coach and it's one game, but I was surprised a bit by the 49ers, not because I don't have faith in their – system or their coaching and their roster. But I thought that 
maybe there would be some regression from Brock Purdy, even though his weapons are excellent. Like I'm still not fully sold on him yet, but you got to give him credit for how he played in week one. Obviously him and I, you get a great connection going and the 49ers absolutely dominated that game from start to finish. It was, you don't see the Steelers blown out like that very often. Like you mentioned playing to their competition, very rare that they are on a one-sided game like this. And it feels like either way, but especially on the losing side and seeing their defense, basically shredded for a solid chunk of the game was a little bit jarring to see. Obviously I I do think the 49ers are one of the league's better teams. So this could be a one-off, but I do have some concerns there. Yeah, I definitely have concerns with the Steelers offensively and defensively, probably more offensively than their defense. That's right. Najee Harris is getting outplayed here again. So that, that first round pick is not looking great for the Steelers and Deontay Johnson and Casey Hayward both got hurt. But uh, I would like to ask you if you're more impressed or more concerned in the Packers Bears game. Ooh, I would I like I talked up the Bears a little bit in the the episode last week, but they showed more of the same that they've shown in the past in this game. It was one game. I guess I'd go. I'd lean towards more impressed by the Packers and Jordan Love didn't have Christian Watson for this game either. So I I thought that was he's going to be the number one guy in my opinion there in Green Bay. So being able to go on the road against a division rival, granted a flawed one, and win the game handily that was that that was impressive to see in a guy in his first extended run as the starter. I know Love has had one or two starts before that, but this this is his team now. Yeah, I'm definitely more impressed with the Packers. I had low expectations for both of these teams going into the season and to see the Packers play that way. I'm definitely impressed to some extent. I'd like to see it be a consistent thing, but I I was very happy to see them being able to do that week one coming out the gate strong. I'm with you, man. There's we. I'll say it out loud. I'm not ashamed to admit it. We got three minutes left on the Zoom meetings, so let's. Uh, there's one other game I wanted to ask about real quick before we wrap this up. For me, with the one that sticks out in the four o'clock window, were you more impressed by the Rams? More worried about the Seahawks? Uh, see, I picked the Rams to win this game just because I felt like there's no reason for the Rams to be as bad as they were last season. And uh, I well, felt like the injuries. Well, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, like getting those guys back healthy. But the Seahawks, I was concerned about the sustainability. So I kind of picked them to get humbled week one. I expect them to bounce back moving forward and be like a wild card team this year. But uh I expect the Rams to be in the same spot as them fighting for like that fifth, sixth or seventh seed. I could see that if the Rams are able to stay healthy and weather the storm with Cooper Cup out. There's one game I'm going to mention real quick that even though it might have been a mild upset, I know you picked it at the beginning. It didn't change my opinion on either team. That'd be the Buccaneers Vikings game. Uh, I just I don't believe in either of them. And that to me, it was just they're they're both mid. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. This game didn't change my opinion on either team. Uh, I just my gut was telling me Baker Mayfield was going to go out there and win his first game as a Buccaneer. Well, fair enough. And week one is always kind of fluky. We see things like this around the league. It feels like every year. And th- there were a lot of storylines here, but obviously there's going to be week one overreactions and we can revisit some of these 
say give it a month and see who, which teams are still trending up or down or which teams clearly had a, a fluke kind of deal. But that, that's basically all I had for uh, for this week. Uh, I'll throw in uh, when this episode gets uploaded, I'll throw in the poll for our listeners, which New York team do you think is in a better position going forward after their week one, which was disastrous for both teams for very different reasons? Get some feedback on that. I know I'm a little biased on it, but I, we've, I've had a lot of honest debate on that, and I'd love to get the listener input. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, after week two. want to thank everyone who tuned into this episode. Please let us know your thoughts, if there are any teams that you guys were more impressed by or teams that you're more worried about. want to make sure to remind you guys to follow our social media pages on Twitter, or X, and Instagram at Take a Swig Pod and to rate, review, subscribe to the show on your favorite platforms. But that's all we got for this week. So for Blake, this is Swig. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week.